Rise. This is the beautiful game described by two ugly gentlemen. Glory to Columbus. Who are probably sitting at a soccer bar near you. McBride's in the box. A hard cross. McBride scores. It's 3-0 United States. Welcome to Bone and Beam United. Happy Soccer Podcast Day. What is up? I am Bone. And I am Beam. Lots to get to today in a busy, busy World Cup qualification day. The decision day for groups F and E or E and F, which is how most normal English speakers, I think, would say that. (laughs) Anyway, group F was first. Group E was second timeline of today. But Beamer, uh, what did you think just overall of what we had coming into this one? Because there was a lot of pressure, a lot of big name teams that had various potential for their disaster. And a few of them realized that disaster today, unfortunately for them. Yeah. So when we were doing, um, you know, a couple of days ago when we were going over uh, what this meant, you know, Belgium was having a tough time. They had to call a news conference. Apparently they had some infighting in their team, like already pressures on them. Uh, They had that loss to Morocco where you're looking at that team saying, boy, uh, golden generation, you're not going to get anything out of it. Right. They made the semifinals of the last World Cup. So already they had a ton of pressure, but just the way that they were feeling, uh, the way that team had a feeling around it, I'm like, boy, that's going to be a tough ask. Now you have to play Croatia. Who knows if they draw their end of the next round? So already, like, that was pretty exciting for me uh, to look in that. I was fascinated with Canada. Like, were they just going to go kind of, you know, all out and see if they could just get a goal and get a result and get their first point in a World Cup? Uh, and then uh, that other group, I mean, we basically said it's – it's going to change minute by minute, like depending on the goal differential and which results and what come through and everything. And Japan, if they don't get a win and they tie like Germany, like so there were just so many different outcomes that could have happened today. Uh, but yeah, I think the, the word of the day uh, had to be, had to be pressure, right? I mean, this is kind of where you make it. You understand that your world cup life is on the line. If you make it to the next round, great. You got another opportunity. Uh, and if you don't no big deal, but I mean, we had eight games today and you had seven teams with a realistic possibility to make it into the knockout rounds, which was just absolutely crazy to me. Yeah, it was a, a wild day, at least in theory. It could have been a wild day. And then it became, I think, that even yeah. much more of a wild day. We're going to start off with Group F because that's the order the games went in, but also because I think Group E has quite a few bit of points of drama that we have to discuss, <laughs> um, to say the least. First off, we'll start with Group F. Canada, Morocco, as you mentioned, Morocco, they get this one done. Two to one is the result for them against Canada. So in this game, you have Borean, their keeper for Canada, with one of the gaffes of the tournament, just basically passing the ball to one of the most dangerous players on the field in any World Cup game, but especially in this game. And so that's never going to work out well. And that's the first goal of the game. Morocco gets a second one. Uh, and then Canada gets one back with an own goal from Morocco off a nice cross, but still Canada already eliminated before this, but that wasn't their best showing this world cup, unfortunately showed as much as they had a great, you know, qualification in CONCACAF mm-hmm. long way to go before they're going to be able to perform on the world stage. It seems like they just did not show up and perform in this world cup the way I thought they would. Yeah, I didn't think they would either. It was always going to be a big task, though, when you looked at their group. And, I mean, Belgium, Croatia, obviously tough. And then Morocco actually topping the group, uh, which I thought was a bit surprising, but not really when you look at the roster and the way that they've been playing in the lead-up. I'll just say this about Canada. 
first of all, I mean, you take that game away against Belgium. Alfonso Davies, if he makes that penalty, maybe it's an entirely different tournament for them. I don't know. Maybe they employ a different strategy, and all of a sudden they're kind of points counting. Because if you did watch that game, uh, they kind of bossed Belgium around, and now looking at Belgium, you say, well, I guess that's not that impressive. But uh, at the same time, they have world-class players on their team. I'm excited to see, and I know we're putting the kind of the cart in front of the horse here, I'm excited to see Canada in four years' time. Because this is going to be a team now where Alfonso Davies already in his prime. You could argue that on his day, he's one of the best left back slash left wings in the world and just the way that he kind of controls the game. Uh, I'm excited to see, and I think they should have a lot of momentum, especially with them hosting games in four years' time. It may have just been a little too much, a little too early for them, but I think moving forward, uh, they have a lot of good young players coming up into the system. One of our guys, Jason Russell Rowe, plays for Crew 2, instrumental part in their championship run uh, this year. He is of Canadian descent. I'm imagining that if his progress continues, you will see him. But uh, I thought it was they weren't the worst team in the tournament, Canada. Maybe no, no, statistically, no. but if you watch their games, like they tussled with some pretty big boys and held their own for the most part. So uh, that Croatia game got out of hand for them. But I think four years' time, man, it should be a really fun team to watch over the next couple of years. Well, and obviously they're going to have the added motivation for that program of you're you're already qualified. You yeah. have to now focus on building a team that can win a World Cup or or compete in a World Cup better than this on home soil for at least a decent amount of those games, you would assume as well, given that it's going to be – North America hosted World Cup between the U.S., Canada, and Mexico. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's definitely goals for them down the road. Uh, for Morocco, though, El Naziri, who scored one of their goals and had a yeah. second one that was called back, I want to say, because he was, like, barely offside. But he looked amazing today. He played awesome. Um, Morocco's going to be really tough out going forward. Yeah. They're, they're, they're flying high. They're playing well. A buddy of mine was texting me, and he said, you know, if, if the U.S., can't win the World Cup. Like, let's just say that probably won't happen. The next thing How I dare would, him. Right. The next thing I would want to see is one of the African nations win a World Cup. And I'm yeah. with him. Like, I, I can totally get behind rooting for Morocco. Like, I would be uh, any of the African nations that make it through. Senegal already has. You know, th- these, these would be good storylines, especially to see. But Morocco now, I think, is the second African nation to have made it to two knockout rounds in the world cup. Um, so that's, that's good to see as well. Good, good stuff for Morocco there. Yeah, no doubt. It's a, it's a very fun team and it's not just a fun team. It's a dangerous team, which <laughs> is going to be pretty worthwhile watching. So if you're just kind of a random fan and checking into these games and you haven't watched much Morocco, like do yourselves a favor uh, when they kick it up here in the round of 16 to top a group, with Croatia and Belgium and Canada, like already you should be looking at that and saying, oh boy, that's interesting. Was that fluky? No, no, No. it was not. No, it wasn't. Not at all. Um, Speaking of Croatia and Belgium, so their game went 0-0 today, not without opportunities for Belgium to get that victory. Uh, So Belgium coming into this one and Croatia were both on, well, all three. They So, uh, sorry, let me back this up. Belgium was on three points. Croatia was on four points. Morocco was on four points coming mm-hmm. into this game. So obviously Belgium really wanted to get a win and or they needed that, a win. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, their hope was maybe that Morocco would lose and lose by a lot, but I don't think that was necessarily likely. So Belgium knew they had to get a goal. Best way to help yourself advance is to score goals and win games in the World Cup. No shock there. Among others, Romelu Lukaku had Ooh, my. probably two or three 
pretty good chances for a guy of his caliber. One of those should have ended up in the back of the net. Two of them ended hit up ended up hitting off the crossbar. One or the the upright, and just missed. I mean, it's what more can you say, right? When you miss these shots, I mean, there's not much you can do there. Yeah, it was a pretty wild scene. So if you start out the game and was watching this, and I believe Ian Dark and Landon Donovan. Uh, we're on the call for this, and it was kind of head-scratching, right? Aiden Hazard didn't start for this team, and Romelu Lukaku didn't get the start. You're wondering, boy, you know, you need three points, you need a win, and those guys aren't starting for you. I don't know if they're managing minutes, they're coming off of injuries, they're not in good form. I don't know uh, what Roberto Martinez's decision was into that. And again, they've had a pretty stressful week uh, with all the infighting going on in their team, and boy, did they crumble under the pressure. So it started off, uh, I believe Perisic had an opportunity like 10 seconds into the game, uh, off a beautifully designed kickoff play. So that goes wide. And then you fast forward a few minutes. I want it was 15 or 20th minute. Uh, Croatia actually got a penalty. And then it was decided that the call was offside before the penalty occurred. And the offside was literally by like a fingertip. <sighs> I can't. Some of these offside rulings. Which, yeah. There's other rulings we'll get to in a moment later on in the day that if we were slicing and dicing these videos the way we do offside, I think we have a different result in I too. Group F. <laughs> but, or, yeah, sorry, in Group E, but whatever. The point is, I, I am not with the offside technology we have now. I mean, I think, number one, if you're going to look at this and you're going it's to review too, it to this level. Yeah, it's it's too black and white. How if, about that, we, if that is any, if that's stupid enough to say. How about we put a time limit? Where the, like the ref, the official walks over, he gets ten seconds or twelve seconds or fifteen seconds, some small amount of time to look at it, to see the slow motion from a couple angles, and then the screen goes blank, and he's got to say, "I instantly saw the offside. We're yep. good. Let's call that offside." Or he has to say, "Huh, that was really too close to call." The goal stand, whatever, whatever was left, and then of course instruct all the you know the linesmen to the assistant referees have to keep their flags down more often, but let that's where it needs to come down to video replay is if you can tell in five or 10 seconds, like, Oh gosh, yeah, that's egregious. That's way offside. Then reverse it. Otherwise let it stand. That, that to me was not something that should have been reversed. But no, I'm with you a thousand percent on that. Just, it, ugh, I mean, it was the same thing. And I know that I wasn't on yesterday, but it's kind of the same thing in the France game. Like I didn't understand that offside at the end of that game uh, as well and their decision day. But yeah, it was just, I mean, I'm looking at it. They have the video. They have like the 3d printouts of the players right in front of you. And I'm looking at it like, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm looking at, you know, a finger that's offside, but how can you judge that to be offside? I, I it was, I don't know, man, it was maddening. Imagine that in a world cup final, like yeah, goal, yeah. goal gets pulled off the board uh, oh, we may not just, have to imagine it, my friend. Yeah, that it may, may just happen. happen. We yeah. may find out. We may see that. But yeah, storyline of the day, Romelu Lukaku, just 60th, 62nd minute bone, has some great opportunities, and then literally right at the end of the game, so the 88th minute, misses the target, couldn't put it on, and it just kind of sums up what Belgium have been this World Cup for them. Just extremely disappointing from their side and now they're going to have a long road back because you look yeah. at the guys in this roster who have played a ton of minutes and have gotten them a ton of success over the years really in the past what was it been 12 years with this team kind of fully intact 
Uh, now they're going to have to start making some decisions, and that might be a long road back for them. So extremely disappointing, and that doesn't even, I don't think, does it justice. Roberto Martinez already stepped down. Yep, yep. already. That's all. Him and uh, the game Tata ended Martino. six hours ago. Yeah, they're all done. They've just uh, that's how this works. Usually, these World Cup contracts for some of these countries, it's like the second the final whistle blows in the World Cup, your contract is over. And then some of these coaches just say, "Yeah, because my contract's over, I know they're not going to renew it. I'll just step away." But that one, I don't know that everyone expected that to happen right after this. But that's where Belgium is. Um, we'll take a break. We'll come back and talk about some tremendously difficult and interesting things that happened uh, in Group E and some exciting soccer that happened as well. That's all coming up next. You're listening to Bone and Beam United, brought to you by Zaptic Italian Village. What a moment! Now back to Bone and Beam United. Brought to you by Zaptic Italian Village. Uh, Japan, let's talk about this Japanese team right now. And because... So we're on to Group E, Japan, Spain, uh, Germany, and Costa Rica. This has been one of the wilder groups in the World Cup. Yeah, the and, wildest, I think. Yeah, I think so. So, And it was tabbed the group of death, and I think it lived up to it. I, th- I think it did. So coming into this, to coming into today, Japan had defeated Germany 2-1 to one, and then lost to Costa Rica. And so we we're all going, <laughs> what? Huh? Yeah. Costa Rica lost to Spain by seven goals and then obviously beat Japan. <laughs> and then Germany lost to Japan and tied Spain. So we're saying, okay, anything could happen here. We really don't know what's going to happen in this group, right? But I think what a lot of people assumed was, well, Spain will probably beat Japan. Mm-hmm. Germany will probably beat Costa Rica. And that's and enough to send them to settle send them both through. through, even though that was all odd to start after match day one, this may end up exactly the way we thought it would. Well, then we get to the actual game and Japan hung around in this game and got the two to one victory in this game against Spain. Something they found a way to do in similar fashion, fashion against Germany. I mean, it was it was almost like a replay. It happened earlier in the match, yes, but it yes, was almost it was, a dead-on replay. Yeah, where they just they kind of withstood. They gave up a goal, but then they they came back and found their two goals. And suddenly, you're going, "Oh my gosh, they're going to do this again!" But one of those two goals we have to talk about. <laughs> clearly, the ball to me seemed like it was out of bounds. And rolled over the end line before a Japanese player could cross it back across the six. Yeah, and then it Tanaka was, got on the end of it. Yeah. yeah, Tanaka scored it. And so that then, was that the one that made it two to one? That was the second one, yeah. Yeah, okay. Because the show was going on as some of this was happening. And so I didn't get to see all of it at that moment. But I saw the replays and I'm seeing everything happening. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is pandemonium. And so that changes everything in this group. Oh, of course it does. Because Spain is at the point, because they had the win with the giant goal differential, they pretty much didn't have to worry about any other team ending up with the same number of points as them as long as there was only one team ahead of them. But they had to worry about Costa Rica beating Germany. Right. Which was happening for three minutes. And let me tell you, it was one of the most glorious three minutes in all of soccer. I think you texted me at 318 today. And that was, I think, when that was occurring was right around that time. And, God, it was spectacular. It was a thought of that we had here for a moment of 
Japan and Costa Rica are going to knock out two European giants in one day <laughs> and totally set this World Cup up to be a, a uniquely different thing. As it stood, uh, Germany ended up getting the 4-2 victory. Mm-hmm. And I said earlier that uh, Lukaku had two go off the post. I was confusing that with Germany had at least two going off the post. I think, yeah, now I think that Lukaku I, had three or four go off the post. Right. Well, he missed <laughs> He missed them. I don't know if they all went yeah. off the post is what I'm saying. Yeah. But like, but I know Germany had a couple where it, it started to look like their game against Japan where it was like, oh, my gosh, they're going to keep missing these chances where they're right in front. And they yeah. eventually they started putting them back in the net and they were good. But, yeah, for a, a hot few minutes there, Costa Rica and Japan were going to go through. But because Japan hung on and beat Spain, and boy, this is one thing I did see, Beam, and you can confirm this for me. It looked like Japan knows how to clean off a game. Like, once they've got the lead and yeah. it's 20 minutes left, good luck trying to break them down and get that second goal or get whatever you need to get it, you know, now to extra time in the knockout round. You're going to have to go to, you know, an extra an extra 30 minutes and then penalty kicks possibly. But if you are losing to Japan with 20 minutes or less to go, good I luck. don't think you're finding a goal. I really don't. By the way, uh, Spain in this game, 82% possession. God. 18% for Japan. Uh, Spain, 968 accurate passes for 91% completion percentage. 153 accurate passes for 66% for Japan. 153 passes is a good half for a lot of teams. Like, not even a good half, like a decent half. It's an okay half. half. Yeah, an okay half. That's their entire game. Unbelievable. Now... (laughs) Again, I want to be clear. Japan did what they had to do under what was ruled in the game. They deserve to move on from that standpoint. There is no doubt in my mind, though, that ball was over the line. I know that they're saying there was a sliver of it that still technically could have been ruled to be All right, so here's, on the edge it, of the line. But, I mean, you could see green space underneath. I mean, that's here's hard my, for me. It's hard here's for me. My, Here's my debate on the whole thing, and Mark Clattenburg, who is a former Premier League referee and is now doing TV coverage, like the Mike Pereira you yes, know, of, right. of the World Cup, where he comes in and he gives you some rules officiating and everything. So Mark Clattenburg has said, you know, there's a bunch of different camera angles. There's four or five. Now, there was one that was pretty clear cut, like, all right, you see green space in between the ball and the white line, out of bounds line. And he was like, well, there's just no conclusive, it was called a goal on the field, so we can't take it back. Because there is nothing conclusive. So my my argument, and I, I think it was out of bounds too, Bone, but just to play devil's advocate here for a second, what do you consider the full ball? So I mean yeah, we all right, know that we right. all we all know the ball is round. So there's green space between the ball like the bottom of the ball that is touching the field, and then there's a little bit of green space, and then there's the the white line. Yeah. And so that ball bellies bellies itself out. And since we didn't have a clear goal line shot of it then it's technically possible for the the edge of the ball you know the outward outward half of the ball a sliver of it to still technically be in bounds so for you is it ball is out of bounds on the bottom of the ball and you can clearly see green or is it the entire ball the ones that, that's not touching the ground because I think that's a fascinating kind of debate and argument because I could honestly see it being both ways here's where I think you're right. You're right. And I get that. The geometry of, of a yeah. round sphere does not I mean said the, the edge of the ball. I, know, I don't I know, know what if you that meant. exists. <laughs> I know what you meant, though. Like My wife is a math teacher and wants to stab If you have a flat that. surface and a, and a globe, right, there's a point where a piece of paper and a globe could be touching where there would be space between 
that vertical plane and yes. the bottom of the globe touching the ground. Like, I get it. But I guess my question, and I, this is something that FIFA has just screwed themselves with here. Why can I see two or three players moving in conjunction with each other? You have a laser-guided plane that you can put up at any moment and say his fingernail is over this guy's shoulder blade, so that technically is offside. And we're going to be able to say that with definitive evidence 100% of the time. But when it comes to a ball being over... Didn't we have that in the Canada game too? Am I wrong? Was it Canada that had a goal that... like Not a goal for sure, but... Which game was it today? I just I've watched all this soccer and now I'm confusing games, but there was one I know where the ball hit the crossbar, went down, bounced out. I feel like that was Canada, but I could be wrong. I don't know. Either way, the point being, there was another game that that just happened that had this same issue where you are talking about there being why do we not have we have goal line technology. It exists. Right. We have end line technology. Why not use it here? And that's what I don't get is when you have You've introduced the technology, but then you said, but only for offside. Why not for all of this? Why are we not getting that reference point shown on TV? Because I'm not seeing it. I'm not understanding it. You know, what's really weird to me as well. It's like if you've ever watched tennis before, they have that Hawkeye technology. Well, that reminds me of the offside technology a little bit, right? That's what I mean. Yeah. Like, and FIFA has pounded their chest and Adidas has pounded their chest about like how technically sound this ball is and they're you know discovering and covering every single metric. How can we not get, if we're going to go fully into replay, and I know we were just debating VAR, but if, you, if it's a black and white decision, I don't know if offside is at this point, they're clearly treating it like that, but if a ball being out of bounds is as black and white as it can get, how are you not leaning into that technology? Because that tennis technology, that Hawkeye thing that I'm talking about, literally will show you the mil—I mean, the most minute of fractions of a tiny little ball compared to the white line. And I don't know the camera setup. I don't even know if it's physically possible to be able to be implemented on a soccer field. But still, you would think that they would have that covered in such a big game, in such a big goal, that if that doesn't go in, who knows the way that the rest of the game goes. And we could be talking about Germany advancing instead of instead of Japan. Yeah, yeah, we really could be. So now as it stands, we actually have Japan winning the group, which is uh, the team that lost to Costa Rica won the group. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> I really did think for a second as well, so when Costa Rica were up, I'm like, boy, I wonder if Germany at this point are just trying to screw Spain too. Like, you know what, buddy? If we're going down, you're going yeah, down. Yeah, no kidding. Maybe that would be it. I don't know. That's. It, I mean, it wasn't. But I know that. Like at first, it, it you started to wonder if that was possibly where it was going to be headed, but ended up not being the case. Um, so this presents an interesting little situation because I would think most teams would prefer to draw out of, let's say, these varied groups, like, wouldn't you want to draw, uh, I don't know, Japan possibly over Spain, right? Like, I maybe. mean, maybe. They just beat Germany and Spain, though. Well, fair. you're right. Yeah, you're right. I don't know what to make of that. Because it's, yeah, that's so tough. Yes, on paper, you would rather play Japan than Spain. All right. So if you get down to Japan, I want no business of having to try and score a goal to beat them. All right. So here, here's what we have now. Japan winning their group plays Croatia who finished second in their group <laughs> Morocco who won their group 
plays Spain, who finished second in their group. Like, is there a chance that Spain was like between Croatia and Morocco? We'd rather play Morocco. Like, yeah, absolutely. There, I mean, been. right? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying Spain tried to like throw anything, but I almost wonder if they were looking at that, seeing the results, and said, "Well, you know, at the end of the day." But I mean, again, they had it. They had all that possession. They were not trying to lose that and they game. had chances late in the game but you yeah, could see yeah, with yeah, yeah. three four minutes left to go they were just like all right whatever if we, we can, get a we chance can, here cool we're, take we're it we're through we're good we're not going to lose and or we're not uh, they did lose but they're not going right. to miss out on going to the next round so yeah in either case monday december 5th 10 a.m japan and croatia tuesday december 6th 10 a.m morocco and spain uh the other two games on monday and tuesday december 5th and 6th will be determined tomorrow with groups uh uh g and h F and G, no, G and H, right? G H, that's right. I don't know, man. We got it, dude. And we another got... group. Who cares? Yeah, it's G and H. So South Korea, Portugal, ten a.m. Ghana, Uruguay, ten a.m. as well. Uh, no love lost between Ghana and Uruguay, by the way. No. Given that, did you uh, see Luis Suarez's comments today? Yeah, he said like I don't regret a thing, or, or I didn't miss the penalty. Is that what he said? Yeah. About... So if what World Cup? Was Twelve it? Was years it 2000... ago. All right, so it was two thousand and ten. So it was two thousand and ten. Yeah. The World Cup. Was it a knockout round game? Yeah, I'm pretty right, sure. So it was a it was a knockout round game. Ball goes in for uh ball goes in for Ghana is going in for Ghana. Luis Suarez literally just smacks the ball away with because the goalie immediate yes. goalie's out of the goal. He's the only one. He's one of the guys back there covering. He just knocks it down with his hand. Instant red card. Instant penalty yep. kick. No question about it. And he took penalty it. Gets and knew, knew what he had to do, and then Ghana missed the penalty kick, and then they eventually got knocked out because of not being able to convert that penalty kick. And so he said, well, I don't know why they blame me. I'm not the one who missed the penalty, which and I think some journalists said to him today. And I don't know if it was a Ghanaian journalist or who it was like, do you realize that people in Ghana call you the devil? <laughs> and like, right. And I was reading some of those comments and then Luis Suarez fires back and goes, well, I didn't miss the penalty. Like I have no regrets. I'm doing that at all. So, uh, yeah, spicy little affair tomorrow at 10 a.m. Yeah. So that'll be interesting. Both with everything to play for. Yes. And oh, don't you think Ghana? I actually I we did this on Degenerate T-Bone today. I picked Ghana to win just because I said I could see Ghana just going out and saying a win for us means you're eliminated and we're for sure through right. two birds, one stone. Obviously, I mean, every team is looking at it going, if we win, that'd be good. So like, I, I get that that's kind of <laughs> dumb by me to say like, <laughs> I get that that's kind of dumb by me to be like, hey, they want to win this game. Like, I know that, but I'm saying the juice yeah. on this one is yeah. extra. Like you said, it's extra spicy. Uh, speaking of spicy, Serbia and Switzerland, last time they played in the World Cup, it was like an international incident, and uh, yeah. Switzerland got sanctioned by FIFA. Say it was of, Granite Xhaka and Jerdon Shakiri, yes, right? who are like they have Albanian ties, I believe, and there's some Albanian rebel thing with Serbia. Anyway, there's a whole bit of drama there, so all of that going on as well. Yeah, it's it's that one's going to be. We said this in the preview of Group G. We said this match day. Watch that one. That's at two p.m. Yep. Uh, Cameroon, Brazil, also at two p.m. So basically playing for second there because Brazil's already advanced. So, yeah, it's it's going to be a, a fun little affair in those four games. But that will wrap up your group stage play for the 2022 World Cup. I'm going to be distraught when it wraps up. I know, man. Now we're going to go down to, like, just two games a day. What am I going to do with myself? Uh, it's We're actually going to be able to focus on a game at a time and, like, watching it and paying attention and not thinking right. about – what does this mean if this other team does it? Like, no, we'll just be watching these games and enjoying them. But missing all the fun we've had at 5 a.m. and at 8 a.m. And now those those days are done. 
Just yeah, 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. They're cooked. Yeah. All right. Beam will have that tomorrow. I am off. Yeah. Uh, he will have that podcast for you. And then we'll be back on Monday with a recap of the weekend and specifically what happens with the U.S. men's national team. Boy, Saturday at 10 a.m. You're looking for a place to watch the game. <sighs> I have no suggestions on where to watch that game. What I would no. say is Zaftig Italian Village is open 8 a.m. on Saturday, and they have a beer called USA IPA, and mm-hmm. they have lots of TVs where they like to show soccer games. I don't know what soccer games they'll be showing on Saturday at nope. 10 a.m., but there's a good chance whatever game you want to watch, they'll have it on. So Zaftig Italian Village, you should check it out. Final predictions? or I Do do that tomorrow. You don't have to bother with that today. I well, guess you can give Why don't you give it today, and then I'll have 24 hours to marinate on mine. Cody Gakpo's getting a goal. Oh, Jesus. U.S. are getting three. Oh, three to one. Take that, Virgil Van Dyke. Yeah. By the way, did you hear? Did you hear what Pulisic said today? I don't know if you he said I didn't get. It. I didn't get hit in the balls. He said that too, and that was obviously the lead. But someone asked him about if he delivered his Landon Donovan moment. Right? They're like, you oh, know, it was no, great to see. see They're like, you know, you delivered your Landon Donovan moment. How does that feel? And he goes, and he was just kind of sitting there. Deadpan look. He goes, you know, Timmy, I, it was great to score in a World Cup. Timmy knows what that feels like. He was sitting right next to Tim Weah. And and then he said, I still think my Landon Donovan moment is out there. And he said it with, like, such a wry smile and such an air of confidence about him. And I was about ready to run through my oh, glass back Oh, yeah, door. no kidding, right? It's just like, yeah. here we go. Yeah, it was pretty good, man. So if you get a chance to find that that sound or I that video wait. of him it's it's pretty good you're saying three one huh three let's go three to one why not let's go sure. geo rain is going to play 80 minutes and just <laughs> dominate greg's been waiting this is the time he's deploying geo i don't has think he been trolling happening. greg's I been trolling i don't think he's doing that but still like i don't know put geo rain in for 25 minutes and see what happens but you know what if he doesn't i'm well you know what i'm gonna say in greg we trust i'm gonna say mm. it i'm gonna say in greg Triple we trust G. Yeah, in Triple G, we trust. That's right. All right, that's it for us. We'll see you next time on Bone & Beam United. Thanks for listening and enjoy the soccer.